Hello and welcome to That Will Preach. My name is Jeremy Mills and I will be your host. In this episode today, we have a conversation with Pastor James Maroney. Maroney is married to his wife, Gayla. They have two twin boys, 14 years old, Colin and Connor. But Maroney has been in the ministry for over 33 years. He is the pastor of Abundant Faith Church in Evansville, Indiana. Brother Maroney has been licensed with the United Pentecostal Church for 26 years. He was a full-time evangelist for four years, served as the youth secretary and then the youth president of the Kentucky District for a total of eight years. He is currently the section's men director for the District of Indiana. Stay tuned for a very powerful and exciting conversation as Brother Maroney shares with us insights into ministry today. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and leave a comment. This would help us out so very much. Thank you for doing that today. Also, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash jeremy-mills. You can find a link there that will allow you to support us for as little as 99 cents a month. Prayerfully consider this. It would be most helpful and appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless. Hello and welcome to That Will Preach. So glad to have everybody here today. Today we have Brother James Maroney. He is going to be with us, talk sermon tips and preps and ideas. And uh, man, we are just so glad to have you. Brother Maroney, thank you uh, for coming to the show today. Hey, brother. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be with you today. Well, man, we're so excited. We're going to go ahead and just get right into this. Um, So let me ask you, Brother Maroney, uh, what is your sermon routine and sermon prep for uh, each Sunday? So basically, my my sermon routine or sermon prep, uh, as you call it, is a little bit unconventional. I usually start uh, Sunday night when our church is over that day on Sunday. I usually try to go to bed that night just praying and thinking on, all right, you know, Lord, what are you what are you going to have for us uh, midweek service, and what are you going to have for us next next Sunday? Exactly. Um, that's not the words that I use because I don't talk to God in those cheesy words like that. Right. <laughs> so, but basically what I do is I, I, I pray and, you know, God puts something in my spirit. Um, in the meantime, I will read, of course, uh, Bible. I, I don't, I don't pick up an awful lot of books. I do read books, but I don't pick up an awful lot of books for the reason of, okay, what am I going to preach Sunday? I'll read something and just read it to be reading it uh, for me. And then God will give me something for the church. Okay. Um, I don't come in, you know, different times of the week and spend several hours in the office. Basically, I collect stuff all week long in my spirit through prayer, uh, things I hear, things I see, issues maybe that, you know, could be happening with people in this church or in the church of, uh, of, you know, close friends of mine that, you know, just in talking and things they're going through. And God will put little things in my spirit, and then literally, I don't care how hard I try, it's going to come down to Sunday night late, <laughs> Sunday night, and that's when the sermon prep takes place. Wonderful. You know, I, I, I'm the same way. Um, to me, it's mm-hmm. it's throughout the week, and yes, um, you know, there are times that I that I find myself thinking, all right, 
is this Bible study that I'm that I'm working on, or there's this daily devotion that I'm reading? Is this yes, for sir. me? And, and as right. and I think as pastors, sometimes we we're always in sermon making mode, uh-huh. and That's right. and That's a lot exactly of times right. it's hard to turn that off and digest mm-hmm. the scripture for yourself, for your own personal right. knowledge right. and inspiration, and walk with God. And and I think every mm-hmm. pastor probably listening to that is is probably shaking their head right now saying, absolutely. So uh, That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I, I, one thing that I, I will add is that every, I can tell you that if you will ask anybody in our church that if they'll come up to me after church and say, wow, that really spoke to me or that message is what I needed or whatever, whatever the, whatever the, the uh, uh, takeaway would be from that particular Bible study or message, I, I nearly always respond or somewhere in my response, I will respond with, um, you know, number one, I, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, all glory to God, all the stuff, all the canned answers that we give. But, right. but in reality, this is what I tell them. I'll, I'll tell them that it preached to me and at me uh, in such a way that I had to deliver it to them, you know, um, because this is how I feel. I, I don't in my entire ministry, I have never ever felt like God gave me something only for the people and not for me. So I, I get it from God and whether he uplifts me or, or beats me up with it, it happens exactly. first yep. to the pastor. And then so that, so that when you deliver to a congregation, my church or our church, they know that I've been through it first. Okay. God, God gave that to me and it spoke to me, ministered to me, changed me uh first and then i delivered it to them and and you know you're right there with them as a pastor as a minister of the gospel you know let your congregation let your people know god gave this to me and it hit me it hit me hard first okay and and that's why i can deliver to you in that in that way well there's there's probably well not probably there's never a time where a a passage of scripture or a sermon doesn't Mm -hmm. apply to just them and not you that's right. That's exactly right. And I Never think that, time. that, yeah, and I think that's exactly what you're saying. Well, that that's really good. Yep. So, so it's throughout all week. So you're studying yes, and you're picking up daily and taking notes and and yes, preparing. And then, and then Saturday night, is, you're finalizing. Yep, yep. Saturday night, I'm I'm uh, setting down, putting together everything that I have, and then even in that moment, there are things that are come fresh to me. I've I've always been. Not that there's anything wrong with someone that is, they start for Sunday on Monday and they're ready for Sunday by Wednesday, okay? Or they start on Wednesday and they're ready for Sunday, you know, uh, by, by Saturday night. Not that there's any problem with that, you know, but my, my thing has always been, I always feel like that when it comes to me and I put it together, I'm able to put it down, um, ready to be delivered on Saturday night, it's fresh, it's fresh that yes. next morning, you know? Yes. Um, I, I do know some people, I've got friends that they will go to their church at 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning, and that is their prep time. On a, on a, on a Sunday morning? On a Sunday morning, yes, sir. They will get there before the sun ever comes up. They'll be driving to church, and and they'll spend, you know, two, three, four hours in their office getting it all together. Um I've never been able to do that. I can honestly tell you, I've never had the desire to do that. <laughs> I'm always, uh, I'm, I'm more of a late night guy than I am an early morning guy anyway. So, yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm an early morning guy. Um, now, of course you are. I know that about you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Well, all right. So let's let's just segue on into this next one. So once you are done Saturday night, so here's my question that a lot of us want to know. Is it paper or is it a tablet that you take to the pulpit? It is a tablet, um, and it's a tablet every time. And I'll tell you, there's a couple reasons why. I leaned on uh, paper forever. I have stacks and stacks and stacks of notes and paper and all of it. Um, but my eyes have not always been the greatest. And the older I get, the worse they get. And it honestly got to the place where this sounds silly, but the font uh, on my paper, I honestly, I use 20 font when oh I preach. Now, now I know that. And then here's the thing I can, I'm not blind. Okay. But, but when I'm standing, you know, and I, I like to move around a lot as well. Right. Yep. Um, and I just found it difficult. I mean, I'll be 49 uh, next week and Basically, the font has gotten so big, and you know when when you're when you use twenty font, a, a an average message of about thirty to forty minutes in length, and that's about standard for me. I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm probably being uh, more conservative than what my people would say, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so let's just say a forty minute message. Yeah, you're looking at about twelve to fifteen pages worth of notes on a twenty font. So I don't want to just distract the people uh, shuffling through papers the whole, t- the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, it, that, that's what it is. I'm a 20-font guy, and so it's tablet. I can make it as big as I want, tap the screen, and move forward. All that's right, it. so you said 12 or 15 pages. So here's my question. Is yes, this sir. word for word or bullet points with Absolutely. sentences? Yep, it's it's word for word. When I evangelized, I started out doing an outline and I did outlines for years. I evangelized for four years. Um, and every, every message that I had was outlined. Um, and then I started pastoring when I started pastoring, I was still doing the outline, but not long into pastoring the Lord dealt with me about something. I'm not going to say he, you know, worked me over. It wasn't anything like that, but he put something in my spirit. And I thought, you know, this is a that, this is a great way to look at it. Um, you know, I've got kids. I've got I've got two boys, fourteen years of age. They're twins. Right. And I am an only child, so um, you know, for me, it's not like I have brothers or sisters or anything like that. But I thought, you know, and the Lord dealt with me and, and said, you know, what, what if these boys or anybody in your family or just anybody for that matter? When something, should the Lord Terry happen to you, what happens to those messages? Now, I know I've got uh, people in my life that have gone on to be with the Lord, and I've got messengers of, messenger, messages of theirs on paper yep. that uh, mean the world to me. Okay? Exactly. And, and I do mine word for word, and the reason why that I do that is because when you go back and read a sermon or a Bible study uh, that God has given me, you're reading it like you're reading a story. You're reading it like you're reading a book. That's interesting. And Yeah. And so for me, the Lord dealt with me about the longevity of the message. There's no guesswork. They can read that message and they can read it verbatim as I preached it. And they will. And I don't stand up behind the pulpit and read it like a boring word for word. I mean, it's in my spirit. So yes, I, I don't 
have to stand there and read it word for word. And I'm obviously when Holy Ghost kicks in, you get to moving all over the place. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but they'll be able to read it exactly the way God gave it to dad or God gave it to pastor or however, whoever it is, they'll be able to read it. And there's no guesswork. They know exactly how it's translated. Well, in that case, so let me ask you this. Is Mm -hmm. there a potential of these sermons becoming books? I mean, if you've got that much written. So, I mean, I'm I'm a bullet point, you know, outline type of guy. always have it. I've Uh tried it your way. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it. Um, I'm thinking in my mind, if I've spent that much time writing, man, it would be so simple just to just to move those over into a book or whatever. Well, so that is another reason why is because um, I honestly felt like there would come a day and I'm still kind of waiting for God to open that door. I've not moved in on it yet, Mm -hmm. but I literally I could I could show you. um, In fact, my wife wanted to take the stacks and stacks of messages that I have, feed them all into one of those devices that, you know, turns uh, any kind of document that you have into a into a computer document. Yes. Paper document into into a computer file. But the the idea is at some point I want to take those messages and do a book of 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 that. You know, one of my favorite authors is Clovis Chappelle. Um, it is very difficult to find his books. I mean, I think you could get uh, some of them in all online. Uh, in fact, you could get quite a few of them online. But um, there are very few people. I think Ken Gurley has. I think Brother Ken Gurley has. Most of, if not every one of his books, I'm trying to remember, uh, but he has a lot of, and he's the one that actually turned me on to Clovis Chappelle. And I've, I've got some of his books and basically when you open them, they are, it's basically message after message mm. and it's, it's verbatim like a book. It's, it's written like a novel. He starts out telling a story where in scripture, how that applies. They are messages that are in, that are just in the form of a book. I feel like that at some point that I will probably do that. Um, if nothing else, you know, something just for my boys to have, uh, to remember me by that sort of thing. Well, that's kind of, so, that's kind of what, um, Charles Spurgeon did. Yes, absolutely. I've got several of his, uh, I've got several of his books as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I've, I have all his on digital form actually in PC study Bible is what I use. Yeah. And Wonderful. you can, you can go down through there. I think I got version five. So I've got mm-hmm. every one of his awesome. sermons. I can actually uh, copy, paste, put in Word, and print them out. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's wonderful. It, it's wonderful because, you know, again, bullet points, outlines, those are great for that evangelistic ministry mm-hmm. where you're you're up there and you're preaching and or teaching. Those things are great for just you in the moment. What I try, What, what I believe that the Lord was trying to tell me and I, and I got it one day. I just finally got it. That's when I switched is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not always going to be the guy standing in the pulpit. Okay. But why should the word that God gave me the message, the thought, the idea, if it blessed the people, the one time I preached it or exactly. the two times that I preached it, right? why not let that go on? Why not let that carry on? And and let someone else read it, or you know. So that's why I did it. Well, you yeah. know, a friend of mine, um, pastored in Mississippi. He said one time, and I wrote this down in my Bible. He said, mm-hmm. he said, touch God every day, touch somebody every day, and then he said, and this this struck me. He said, 
touch something that will outlive you every day. But I've always, it's always bothered me that we have had phenomenal, outstanding elders who have yes. come and gone and the mm-hmm. things they have said and the things that they've preached about was not mm-hmm. obviously was not on video. It, right. Very few of them was put on cassette. Right. None of them wrote it all down. And we've had elders since you and I have come into ministry that has just gone, just they've just yes, gone. Sir. And they took with them those words. They took right. with them those That's sermons right. and those things that would just like blow our minds. Yes, sir. That's and right. They That's never they right. never wrote and it was a different day and I know it was typewriters and tick 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 tick, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. uh we have no excuse now not no. to be putting this stuff down for future generations. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I agree. I totally agree. And there's there are so many people that are hungry. There's so many preachers, young preachers, elders, uh even that, you know, in that are living in these times. There, I don't care what any, I mean, there might be some sitting in a corner somewhere just praying to dig it out, but, but nearly all of us are hungry to read something, to hear something that will inspire us. Exactly. Basically, basically inspiration, in my opinion, um, inspiration from God, it's no one that I've ever met. I'm not saying they're not out there, but no one that I've ever met lives in a constant state of inspiration. Okay. No. Every time of inspiration that you get, and this is something for young preachers that they need to know that they, these, these are, they come in intervals and mm-hmm. they are divine intervals of inspiration. It's kind of like, uh, you know, inter- intermittent wipers on your car. They're not constant, but they, they go, some of it, you, you can set the speed. Okay. Well, we can't set the speed of the inspiration we get from God. God plants it in our spirit when it's time, you know. Um, but these days, there's such a hunger yeah. to be inspired like never before. And I just, me on a personal level, I look for anything. God, I don't care who you speak through, what you speak through, how it happens. I can't preach without your inspiration. If I do, then it's all of me and none of you. And I don't want that. I never want that. And that is so true. It doesn't come all the time. You're not totally in that, you know, I don't even think your brain or your spirit could handle (laughs) that much information that though we had liked it, we had loved it. Like, oh man, that sounds great. But truly, you know, that, that just, it's not, you got to live in the real world. So, I mean, you, you know, kind of on that subject, you know, I've thought about over my lifetime when I get discouraged that I mm. that I'm not having all these we go through seasons, you know, if yes, if sir. you're living for God, not only in, in life, not only in your personal walk with God, but in ministry, you know, there's seasons. There's seasons on the earth and there's seasons in life and, and in ministry. And when I go through those seasons where I'm uninspired and I'm struggling and God's rooting out all the stuff in my life and in my spirit to make me more effective in the kingdom. And and mm-hmm. at that time I want to be inspired and it's just like it's crickets, man. It's crickets from heaven. Absolutely. Right, you know, right. I think when then during those times, I think about this, and I don't know if anyone else does this. I think about the minor prophets. Those oh, yes. guys lived their whole life yep. as a prophet of God. And guess what? Mm-hmm. 
everything they had to be, everything they had to say could probably be said in less than an hour and a half. Yes, that's exactly right. That's you, exactly right. They were inspired uh-huh. for that moment at that time. Now, you know, you have Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, right. them guys that live in a constant state of inspiration. But yes. but the minor prophets, these guys had powerful things to say yes. for a small yes. amount of time. And then, you know, God is right. in, in small intervals would, would inspire them. And I'm like, you know what? They were extremely effective. They yes, did what God right. said today, and but they weren't over here, you know, prophesying to the kingdom every day. Mm-hmm. And they just right. they lived their life. And I don't know, I, maybe I'm a little strange, but that kind of always given me a little hope that, uh, you know. Yes, it, 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 well, and I'm encouraged, too, uh, you know, by, by what you're saying along those same lines of what you're saying, because, in fact, I just preached a message not long ago um, here just a few weeks ago, and I called it the silent treatment. And. <laughs> what God had pointed out to me that I don't think I've ever seen before. And I just won't, you know, delve into all of it, but just the fact that we're talking, how how long was God silent over 400 years? Right. No one heard the voice of God. Mm. Okay. What did those people do during that time? Because we walk around here now and we, we, there, there are people and I'm sure you pastor and I, I know I've, I've, I have pastored people that every little thing is, is quote unquote, God speaking to them. Right. Okay. And we are in a where a waitress can come up to your table and say something and you'll think, Oh God just spoke to me through that. Well, you know, I'm not saying that that didn't happen, but you know, it's like, we are so uh, people are so geared to thinking every day that they have to hear God speak to them. And and it's what we want. It's what we should pray for. But what happens when God doesn't, what happens when you don't hear his voice? Like you just said, crickets from heaven. Okay? Yes. How many people have turned their back on God and how many people have gone wayward because they have not heard from heaven the way they thought they should have heard. From that heaven, is the truth. You know? Yes. So, so what we have to do is we have to learn how to maintain and wait for that moment because you're not always going to hear his voice. Now, I'd love to say you will, but you but you're not always <laughs> going to hear his voice. So do nope. we backslide? In fact, in fact, and this is one of the statements that I that I preached in that message. Abraham walked with God. God told him where to get God said, start walking. Right. Okay. And, exactly. and that's what and that's what Abraham that's what Abraham did. He started walking and he did not say, Okay, go here. He just said start walking. And he did. And he came to the place. God showed him, God spoke to him and told him to go, but God showed him where it was supposed to be. And so basically the, the, the idea is, is that Abraham in reality, he walked closer with God. All right. In faith than he ever did in statements from God. Exactly. Okay. He didn't go day to day with a statement from God or, or a word from God. God gave him a word, told him to go, and he just did it, you know, and he lived until I hear from God again. I'm just going to keep doing what I know is right. You know, so. that, that kind of reminds me of, of of I've made this statement several times about I call it forced faith. Yes, sir. You know, God mm-hmm. forces our hand. He forces mm-hmm. our faith in circumstances yeah. to grow. Yes. You know, you know, the, Paul said. Add to your faith, and then he gives this big long patience and yes. temperance. 
but it was adding to your faith. And mm-hmm. and I think that's the times that God sees the foreknowledge of God, knowing the future, that my faith is not going to be strong enough for what's coming. And so he forces oh, yeah. he forces my faith to grow. Um, yes, sir. And we're going to move on to the next point. But, but yes, I'll sir. never forget a friend of mine named Greg Maynard in Corbin, Kentucky. He told me this one time. He said... He he just had a baby, and he laid his baby in the the uh, bassinet. He said, I was standing there. The baby was looking up at him, ooh, and gooing and gagging. He said, I just reached over and turned the light off. He said, I didn't move except my arm, and I turned the light. He said, that baby went to screaming and bawling and crying. He said, I turned the light on, and it started ooh, and then gooing. He said, he said, then, he said, then I said, he said, I was having too much fun with it. He said, I kept turning the light on and off. You know, the baby scream, goo, scream and goo, scream and goo. He said, and in this process, the Lord spoke to him. He said, the Lord said, that child is in no more danger when the light is off because you are near. Right, right. That's good. And yeah. he said, he said, he said, you are just as protective and as in control of that baby's life if the light is on or the light is off. Uh-huh. Right. And, and he said, sometimes I'm. I'm standing there, but I turn the light off. Yeah. And God forces our faith to trust yes, That's that That's he good. is. I've always thought about that. He forces yeah. our faith to trust that he is there. And it's in those times that our, our strength grows. And um, absolutely. And you, you said it right. You said you used the word learn. And for all those preachers out there, ministry and operating in the spirit and operating the kingdom and flowing in, in the inspiration and all that we're talking about tonight it's a learning process and if you're just getting started know this you you know how how long you been preaching brother maroney so i have been in the ministry uh over 33 years now 33 we must have got started at the same time um yeah i think i looked i looked i counted back i preached for brother mcgraw my first youth service for brother uh, brother conley um okay um and I was 16, and yep. uh, I'm, that's how old I was. I was 16 years of age when God when I preached my first five. Uh, I'm sorry, 15 minute sermonette on a three by five note card, and I was terrified, <laughs> terrified. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, I preached for an hour and a half. Bless <laughs> Oh my word! Bless their heart and all I—I I know. Oh, I, I just mm, God, That's God, awesome. yeah. God loves yeah. His people. That's what I have That's to say. So wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to move on real quickly. Okay. Just to throw this out there: what version of the Bible do you use? So I use the King James version, um, and the reason why that I use the King James version is because if it was good enough for John the Baptist. No, that's just a joke. Uh, right. That's an old song, if you remember. <laughs> you may not read, I don't know if you've ever heard, that's an old co- uh, comedy song. If the King James Version was good for John the Baptist, it's good enough for me. Nope. Anyway, uh, no, because it's not accurate. Uh, I like the King James Version. Um, I, it's just what I've always used. Now, right. I, I'm saying that's what I will preach out of. Um, I, I study out of that, and uh, sometimes... Um, Every once in a while, I don't really go to New New Living Translation. I not not for any reason. I'm not dogging them out. Not saying that they're awful. I don't really go to uh, sometimes the New King James Version, but I I don't spend a lot of time there. 
I will tell you, and this might sound strange, but I will tell you that if I ever shift to another translation for study or to help uh, maybe the church understand understand better what a uh, particular scripture or passage means, I will go to the message. Now, I you all, you obviously have to be very careful with every translation that you read. Okay, um, there's no denying that, and I'm not saying that a bunch of people should just jump up and go buy the message and never use the uh, you know King James version. Right. But um, there are certain ways that in a Bible study manner. Almost never do I use it for like an evangelist preaching or, you know, a pastoral message. But in a Bible study, there are certain ways that um, there are certain ways that the message puts a scripture that can help better explain it to someone that's having difficulty. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I do use the message. uh, you know, in study sometimes, uh, but most of the time I'm just kind of traditional and old school in that. I just use the King James Version, you know? You know, what I've noticed about the Message Bible, and you're the first person that I've ever talked to that actually says they used the Message Bible. I use mm-hmm. the Message Bible, um, especially in the Old Testament reading to the children. So the other day yes. I just read um, Ruth to Gloriana and the book of Esther to the twins. And I use the message Bible because they could, because you know, they're, we're laying down. They, they want to read it. Well, the King James is just tough and they'll, (laughs) they'll use the, the, but I've noticed in the new Testament, it, 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 it's good, but I really like it for the old Testament. And what I do with the message Bible, and I'm letting my little secret out to my church here. Yeah, I will read the King James, but I won't even tell them that I'm quoting the Message Bible. Right. I will say, "Well, you know what? The, what it really is saying here, and that exactly. I'll just quote what the Message Bible says." So I don't exactly. <laughs> yes, sir. No, I I will tell you that I I have done the same thing before, um, but then I kind of got to where I just say. I mean, we have several people in our church that do also use and study with the message. So so now I've got to where I just roll out. Well, let me tell you what the message says. Right. You know? yep. um, but I'll tell you something on that point just quickly, something on that point uh, about the, the message Bible. Something happened here probably a year ago that um, totally revolutionized the way that I looked at the message. I was reading the I just decided I'm going to read the book of Ecclesiastes and I'm going to read it in the message mm-hmm. okay so i read it in the mess i think there's a few times that i even went to bed and i had it playing i think you version has a, a way where you know you can do it audio yeah i believe that was the app yep. um and i would listen to it but even prior to that i i read the book of ecclesiastes and i'm telling you right now it had a completely different uh in a good way mm-hmm. spirit attitude, connotation, direction than I'd ever believed in my entire life. I never read the book of Ecclesiastes and ever felt the spirit behind the writer like I did when I read it through the message. Wow. You could let me put it to you like this. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, okay, and and he talks about, you know, I've I've done this, I've tried this. 
when you read it in the message, you sense the frustration in his voice. Exactly. When you read it. it is so amazing how that happens. And, and yeah, so that's why, that's why I like it. That's why I like it. Well, to all those that are out here, especially um, young preachers, uh, we're going to kind of move towards them. So I'm kind of setting yes. up for our next question. But you young Wonderful. preachers, don't get stuck on just the King James. And I know some, right. some, you know, somebody might be throwing their shoe at the radio right now. But, <laughs> but take the time to open up. I mean, he's been preaching, Brother Maroney, thirty some years, and he just found just found this jewel, this gem that really yeah. explains. And so. Now, we're not saying take the Message Bible to the pulpit and make it your main text, but don't right. be afraid to say to, to see what other people, and, and especially mm-hmm. if you're rooted and grounded in apostolic truth and doctrine, mm-hmm. you, if, if and when it kind of gets a little shady and on, on some yeah. stuff, well, then you have enough spirit and enough truth that's you right. to, to say, all right, well, that, that's goofy. You know, yes, and it's no more yes. different than these books that we read. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and, exactly right. You 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 preach. You you know, I I've looked through handfuls on purpose. I've looked yes. through Charles Spurgeon. You just kind of throw stuff out that you want and pick and choose. And and to me, a translation is would be the same. Uh huh. Would, would be exactly the same. Right. I agree. Same I concept. Agree. All right. When it I comes agree. to uh, to young preachers, and not this is not just young in age. But if young in experience and just now getting into the ministry, um, so brother brother Maroney, what would be um, what would be your advice to young preachers getting started in pulpit ministry, um, maybe sermon prep or or whatever? So I love these questions. I've actually been on a couple different podcasts where I've had this question asked. It's been several years, um, but I had this question asked, and so basically I. I was youth secretary in in the state of Kentucky for four years, and then I had the honor and privilege of being youth president for four years. So that's eight years working in youth ministry for the district of Kentucky. Uh, and then, of course, when you when you get too old, they they kick you to the curb. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but when you get too old, you age out, what have you. So young young ministers, youth ministry people coming up. You know, I was called to preach when I was 16 and whatever. So my advice something that it took me several years to learn. My, my pastor did a wonderful job teaching me, preaching to me, obviously follow the lead of the Lord above all else, but follow the lead of your pastor. Exactly. Draw, draw close to the man of God in your life. You don't have to move in with him. You don't have to, you know, talk to him three or four times a day on the phone. When he is in the pulpit, study him. Don't don't mimic him, okay? Don't mimic him, but study him. Watch how he and and here's why I say this. I'm not talking about his manneris uh, his mannerisms. I'm not talking about you know how he how he uh, in, in raises his voice or doesn't raise his voice or whatever. But constantly watch him, and and ask yourself the question: How? Can I be used of God in the pulpit like my pastor? And the reason why I bring this up is because we are living in a day and age and in a generation where there are so many young preachers or young in the ministry that I sense it. I I don't. This is going to be kind of a negative statement. So um, I just want to prep everybody for that. But all right, um, go ahead. Everybody listening. But we are living 
in a time and in a culture that is so driven by social media highlights. Exactly. Without any context. That's good. That is good. Okay. If you get up and your goal is to preach something that is Twitter worthy, Mm. Facebook worthy, or Instagram worthy, you are completely missing the point. That is that is the truth. Y'all hear that now. And and at that point, you should withdraw. You should go back to a prayer room and ask God to help you get it straight. Okay. We young, young preachers, young ministers, we are not behind the pulpit to impress anyone. But no, God. sir. No, sir. And and here's the thing. There is enough pressure in ministry. And I hope that there's some young preacher out there taking notes right now and that they're just I hope that they just start writing away, because here's the facts. What we need and the upcoming generations need is to be men of God that are led by the spirit and by the word. Absolutely. Okay? We are. It doesn't matter if you become popular. It doesn't no. matter if you get to preach a youth Congress. No, nope. it doesn't matter. What matters is that when you are preaching the message that God laid on your heart, you need to be ready at any time for the Holy Ghost to grab a hold of you and take you down a path or a rabbit hole that you did not plan on. Exactly. But at that point while you're preaching or at that point while you're teaching, somebody out there is on the edge of making a dumb decision or somebody out there is on the edge. They, they need a word from God. Yes. They don't necessarily need the quippy title. They don't necessarily need the way that, oh man, you, you've made that point good. No, you need to learn how to pull away from the pulpit and let God lead you as you preach. You you know to me so, I, I think that what you're saying is uh, is to allow the spirit the yes, gift sir. well the gift I mean we we the gift. the gift of the word of knowledge and a word of wisdom mm. this is knowledge and wisdom that came that yes. was not in your brain was not in right. your spirit it was automatically right. dumped into your heart at that moment and how many times have yep. we all been preaching and we say <laughs> man that's good. And and, the, yeah. and I was yeah. talking to Brother Ryan French the other day, and I said, what happens to me is I'll be preaching and, excuse me, I'll be preaching and something will come. I'm like, man, that, that came from the Lord right now. And I'll get really excited, but I can't tell them. Yeah, <laughs> I just got this. I just got. This. I just yeah. got this, and I was telling, I was, I was telling Brother French, I said one time here at Promise Church, one, it, the point was so good. I and, and and at that time we didn't have a recording. We wasn't video recording. We wasn't audio recording. There was no record. I knew I would forget it. I stopped in the middle of the sermon and said, "Give yeah. me thirty seconds," and I wrote it down. Right, right. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, I don't, don't want to forget it. I didn't yeah. want to forget it. And I knew that I would. And then I had a, uh, I had a preach. I had a, a, a guy on Sunday morning. I kind of allow. We're a small um, church plant, and I have a guy. I have people just if they want to make a comment during Sunday school, that that's fine. And this one yeah. guy, he made a comment, and about he, he about moths. I was preaching on teaching a lesson on a moth eating garments, and mm-hmm. and he made a point. Well, I'm probably going to share this on one of the podcasts. He made the point yeah. that moths only eat things that are natural, God made. They won't eat polyester 
or man-made oh, wow. yeah, man-made awesome. man-made material. Wow. He said it's only wow. wool and cotton, and and huh. yeah, he said the enemy wow. the enemy won't eat things that are artificial, but things that are wow. righteous and godly. And, and and I said, and this came from the, a guy that was like, I would have never, I would have never, never thought. thought and he said yeah. he used to be. Um, insect you know uh, exterminator and, and he knew all that stuff and it was powerful mm. yeah wow. so that's wow. good yep to to make sure you step away you know i would say also to young preachers that are listening don't stare at your notes look up at those people because if you Absolutely. got a little girl up there that's bawling her eyes out and crying you might mm-hmm. want to shut it down that's true and 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 that is uh yeah you, you definitely want to uh you definitely want to make eye contact, make the people allow, you know, make the people know and allow the Holy Ghost to lead you that you are connecting with them. You're not just trying to connect to Absolutely. You know, your, your idea. And, and, and uh, honestly, uh, the other thing that young preachers should really keep in their back pocket at all times is you have to remember that God is using you. You are as much of a man of God as your pastor is. Yes. You are as much of a man of God and called into the ministry as your pastor is. But there's something that every young minister needs to remember and that you are not your pastor, which means that you have a responsibility behind that pulpit to preach and to deliver the word. But your pastor is responsible for the souls that he is the shepherd over, you included, in a way and in a measure that you are not. And I have seen I've seen young men through the years get up and try to take liberty, uh, you know, liberty to say things and do things that really is the pastor's job to do. And when that happens, uh, you know, people don't look at it the same way. <laughs> OK, absolutely. So, yeah. We, so, we, you know, just remember that. Well, that that's that you. I think you've already answered. Our next question was what would be some pulpit etiquette for young ministers? And <laughs> yes, so, sir. yes, sir. That <laughs> pulpit <laughs> etiquette for pulpit etiquette for young ministers would, would be this. Obviously, speak clearly, speak this, uh, distinctly. Do not try to mimic another preacher. Exactly. Um, I, I I hate to say this, but I have to say it. Um, because I'm, I'm, I'm old enough in the ministry now where it doesn't bother me to admit it, but you know, I, I watched and listened to a lot. We went places and I watched a lot of preachers and listened to a lot of preaching tapes when I was 14, 15, 16 years of age. My first 15 minute sermonette that I shared with you earlier, I made the mistake of acting behind the pulpit like a certain well-known evangelist. I won't mention his name. But a certain well-known evangelist, um, especially at that time, right? I didn't do it really on purpose. I didn't. But I was so taken at how this man of God was used of God. I wanted that so badly. I didn't want to be him, but I wanted to be used by God like right. him. So without even thinking about it, I got up and I started preaching. And when I did my mannerisms, the way I would use my words, the way that I would, you know, inflection and all that kind of stuff was like him. And my mother, God bless her, my mother who, who raised me in the church, uh, you would have thought she would have ran up to me after my first sermon and, you know, said, honey, I'm so, you did so good. You reminded me of your grandfather. Nope. She didn't say that. You reminded me of your pastor. No, she didn't, you know, which was her, which is her brother. Uh, you, you reminded me of him. Nope, she didn't say that. She said, well, you did good, but you tried to act just like brother so-and-so. Oh, and boy. I'm telling you, 
she, that one statement, I never did it again after that. And I realized God did not call me to be anybody else. He didn't call me to be my pastor. If you're a young minister and if you, you grow in this thing and God calls you and you take a church somewhere, you need to understand God did not call you to be the former pastor. No. God did not call you. He called you to be you. So just keep that in mind. Be yourself. Let God use you. Speak clearly. Speak with passion. Don't have any hidden motives or agendas while you preach. Um, you know, ne- never, never neglect study and, and understand your position and your place in the ministry at that time. And God will use you. That's sure. ex- that is exactly right. And, you know, if you if you've been, you know, and if you have grew up in a church and you've heard your pastor preach in mm-hmm. your whole life, you're going yes. to end up even without yes. trying you're going to you're, Don't even have to try. you're going to sound <laughs> because I've been I've heard young preachers and I'm like well, I know what church he came from because he sounds just yeah. like his pastor now yeah, whether he yeah, was intentionally yeah. trying that I mean I don't know um, yeah but I mean well, it's strange because my my family my whole family my papa was EJ e. Bear uh, he is first cousins with Robert Bear the one they called the Walking Bible yes and EJ Bear my papa pastored for many years. And, um, he died the year before that I was born. Okay. My pastor, who's my uncle, uh, who retired here. And that's how we ended up in Evansville. Um, my, him, my mother, my grandmother, when she was alive, nearly everybody in my family and people, even that weren't in my family that knew him, when they see me or hear me preach, every one of them say that my mannerisms how I preach, the way I preach, is a lot like E.J. Bayer. Ain't okay? that amazing? And, and, and I never met him. And so one time, my mom found a cassette tape of him preaching. And I li- it wasn't a video, obviously, but they say that my how I move my arms, right, how I stomp right. my foot. They say that I, when I stomp my foot, sometimes when I'm preaching, on, you know, when I'm really feeling it, I'll stomp my foot down. They say that my Papa Bear, that's what he would do all the time. It's amazing how he died the year before I was born. I've never seen, never heard until later in my ministry did I hear him preach, and it is scary how I, much I sound like him. That that is amazing, and you know, you think about these preachers that, like you said, you wanted to preach like this certain evangelist. Let me yeah, tell you something: yeah. the greatest compliment that you yes. can give to your pastor mm-hmm. is if someone says you preach just like your pastor. That's right. That's right. And, that, and when you do it and not try to do it, the, it just that, comes natural. It just comes yeah. natural. What I think that yes. that anointing, you know, is, uh, is imp- I think there's an impartation and imparting Absolutely. Of, of anointing and ministry mm-hmm. that is just going to naturally come from. Yes. I mean, I've been told that I preach like my uncle. Um, oh, wow. J.B. Mills. And, and, yeah, and I can see that. I can see that because I know him. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'll ever reach that level. He is a phenomenal preacher, but oh, what? Well, but what yeah. a great compliment, you know? Um, yes, that you just you just aspire, sure. and you attach yourself to that spirit and to that mission that and that right. calling of of your men of your pastor. And so yes, I think it's amazing. Yes, All right, so here's what we're going to do. Thank you, Brother Maroney, for being with us here today. I yes, really enjoyed this conversation. This is a oh. wonderful content. I know you've been very busy. Thank you for taking this time today.
Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. We love and appreciate you and your All right. So, Brother Maroney, what we're going to do, we're going to end. I'm going to let you end this episode on a sermon thought or a story or an illustration that someone can take um, and just kind of tuck way back in some notes and maybe work off of. All right. Well, I tell you what, that's a great question. And I will I hope to give someone uh, something that they can preach, because that's I know that that's what this is. This is called that'll preach. I hope to give them something. And I want to make it relevant for this generation that we are um, living in right now. So I think one of the greatest things and I won't take a lot of time at all with this because I, I know we're wrapping it up. But one of the greatest things I believe that the church can preach about today and that ministry can preach about today is uh, unity. Okay. Yes. Um, the book of Judges begins talking about after the death of Joshua, how uh, Israel cried out to the Lord and, and said, Who, who's going to go up for us? Who's going to fight against the Canaanites? Who, who's going who's gonna to defend us? And the Lord said that Judah was going to be the one to go up. Okay. Judah was going to be the one that was going to go up and going to deliver. He said, and, and God said, I will deliver, I will deliver them into his hand, singular, mm. Judah. The very next scripture says that Judah asked Simeon, his brother, to help him. So God said to Judah, I'm going to give you the victory. Victory is going to come by your hand. God did not command him to ask for help, yet he did ask for help. Okay. And the king that had to be toppled was the Canaanite king, Adonai Bezek. And Adonai Bezek had 70 kings, the Bible says, under his table that he had conquered, cut off their thumbs and cut off their toes and had them all chained up under his table. And basically after he would eat his meal, he would throw scraps down and the Mm. entertainment for the evening would basically be to hear these 70 kings just grappling over food and nobody could get the victory over them, over him rather. But Judah... Judah called out to his brother Simeon and said, if you'll come into my lot, I'll come into yours. And they together, Simeon agreed, and they together, because they were brothers, toppled the king that 70 kings could not conquer. And it was all because of the spirit of unity. And 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 I look at it as this. They were brothers. God promised Judah the victory, but Judah pulled his brother Simeon in on the victory and they together as brothers. And here's the thought. We have enough Kings in our world and in our movement today. What we need for victory in the church in this day and hour is brothers. That's what we need. We got enough Kings. We got enough Queens. What we need, we got enough stars. We got enough people in the spotlight. We need brothers to come together and do it. And interestingly, Judah means praise and Simeon means obedient one. So, you can just preach a mess out of that. But <laughs> at any rate, uh, for me, I just genuinely feel like that's where we are. I believe that ministry today needs to come together. We need to become unified like never before. This is not my kingdom. It's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And and we'll get victory if we bind together in the spirit of unity. Well, folks, you hear it from Brother Maroney. All I'm going to say is that we'll preach. preach.